Hello from the MIT Legal Forum on AI and Blockchain here at MIT's Media Lab in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm Trent Carlisle. I'm Christian Smith. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back with Christian Smith. Thank you so much for joining us on the road. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here at the MIT Legal Forum on AI and Blockchain. Today we're going to talk about Christian's presentation, Demystifying the Blockchain. Uh, Christian, why don't you go ahead and get us started by maybe giving us a little background on yourself. On myself? Um, okay, I guess uh, I'm sort of an accidental hacker. Um, I, I started out as a musician and back in the late 90s was going to music school and it happened to be right across from MIT. Um, and I learned to code because that was the thing to do at the time. Um, didn't take long before it became my first passion. Kind of fell in love with computer science and that's about what I've done ever since. Great. Well, I think your presentation yesterday was a great way to lead off this event here. Uh, going into it, I tried to educate myself as much as possible on what blockchain was. Um, notice I didn't say the blockchain. You're going to get into that here in a moment. Um, and, it, and it helped uh, just to kind of hear your perspective uh, on, uh, on kind of where we are with this technology. So uh, why don't you start with that? Um, you know, we're, we're going to kind of break down your presentation here in a, in a, in a few bullets. But um, what, what, was the, what was the first thing that you had talked about in the presentation? Um, well, the first thing I talked about was kind of the responsibility, I think, of the of the legal industry as as sort of adult supervision in the space. It's really important that we find an alignment of law and technology that, that makes sense and try to avoid some of the problems that we've had maybe over the past couple decades. Um, I think the web caught everyone off guard and we weren't prepared for the kind of legal issues that we encountered. Uh, and now we know that that we have to address things and we have to think a few steps ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, you also talked about, uh, I, I mentioned it a moment ago, mm -hmm. uh, the blockchain. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that for a minute. <clears throat> so, so I asked, uh, uh, farcically, I asked the question, what do you think the blockchain is? Mm -hmm. And um, this, there are a couple problems with this question, uh, which, which is quite often asked. Uh, firstly, um, it shouldn't be subjective, the definition of what this is. And secondly, um, uh, there is no such thing as the blockchain. Um, as, a, as a singular entity. Um, this is, at best, that use of the term is an overgeneralization, and if you listen to enough people talking, it's, it's kind of a false idol. Right. Um, people forget, uh, forget that, that it's not magic, it's just a tool. Right. I, I think uh, that hit home. I've heard many people correct themselves in putting the in front of a blockchain over the last couple of days. Uh, so <laughs> tell us what is blockchain? How can you break it down for our audience who um, may have heard of it, um, but need just kind of a deeper understanding? Sure. So a blockchain is really just a data structure. Um, it's a data structure that can be cryptographically verified to ensure its integrity. And it functions as a ledger. So there's there's really no, nothing too novel about that part of it. Um, the, the ledger is just a kind of a data structure, is a kind of a database. Um, and the, the cryptography that we're using in, in blockchains to uh, make them tamper-proof is decades old. There's nothing really novel about that. What is novel is the idea of um, uh, Byzantine fault tolerance. And what this is, it's a way to 
um, that we can all share independent copies of the ledger and keep them in sync so that the data is all the same, that no bad information gets recorded onto the ledger, and, and that over time it stays, it stays synchronized. Mm -hmm. um, did you, I, I can't recall, did you talk about kind of the, the structure and nodes and like how this all comes together in the, in the presentation? Yeah, a little bit. Um, it's, it's in, the, the idea is that it's an open network and we can have many computers around the world that have complete copies of this entire ledger and they're able to talk to each other about changes that they make, about data that they add to the ledger mm -hmm. and make sure that that, um, that nothing bad gets recorded. And in, in the case of something like Bitcoin, the, the principal problem that it tries to solve, actually successfully solves, is it's called the double spend problem. You don't want to be able to spend the same money twice. Um, so I'm new to this. I'm buying Bitcoin for the first time. Who, you mentioned the computers around the world. Can that be someone's laptop? Can that sure? Yeah, and, yeah. And how do how does how does someone become part of a node or part of the the network? Sure. So there there are um, there are there's the idea of a miner, um, which or or a validator node. Um, there are different names for this for different uh, kinds of blockchains. Um, but the the idea is the same: is that there's um, a, a number of parties that maintain full copies of this thing. Um, and, and as you can imagine, if it's global and a lot of people are writing data to it, it could become a sizable amount of data. It might be more than you want to put on your cell phone. So there's the idea of, of uh, a validator node or a miner in the, is what they call them in Bitcoin mm -hmm. and Ethereum. Uh, and then the idea of a client or a wallet, which is a sort of a lightweight way to interact with a blockchain. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that you mentioned in your presentation was kind of the notion of this is great technology, but it's not a fit for everything. That's uh, right. Can you get into that a little bit? Sure. Um, it seems like everybody wants to use this for everything. Um, you know, reinventing dry cleaning with the blockchain right. and reinventing car sales with the blockchain and hamburgers on the blockchain. And, you know, some things just really aren't a good fit. Um, it, there are, one thing to keep in mind is that the consensus process um, that, that keeps these things in sync is very, very expensive. It's expensive computationally. And also, um, existing ledgers are transactional. They're, there's an idea that you're moving money, you're moving some kind of value. Mm -hmm. Not everything involves moving value. Sometimes you just need to record data. Um, right. there, are, there are some things that are a really good fit. Anything where you're transferring a record or an asset between different owners is a good, is a good case. Um, Anything where you need to prove the time or the sequence of events is a good uh, use for, for a blockchain. Uh, and the other thing is audit logs. So anytime you need to, you need to prove who did what and when, um, it could be a good use case for a ledger. You, you also mentioned in your presentation that there's some things that we should be watching out for. Um, yes. Yes. Give um, those to us. There, there are four things that uh, everyone really ought to be thinking about. Um, we tend to get too far ahead of ourselves with all the excitement and, and uh, hype. And actually, the four things are hype, fear, snake oil, and vapor. There's, there's a lot of excitement and there's a lot of fear. A lot of people are worried about how this is going to affect their business. Do they have a future? And there's a certain kind of... Uh, um, 
party that preys on that fear and they sell snake oil. They sell things that don't really work. Um, it's things that are pitched as a, as a cure-all, um, a solution to everything, but they really do not much of anything except help you part with your money mm-hmm. in ways that are not useful. Right. Um, and then there's also vapor, which is, um, is not a, necessarily a bad thing because it's, it's really necessary that we test ideas out in the market before we invest a lot of money in them. But you have to realize that not everything you see, not everything you see on a website that's pitching itself as a product actually exists or will ever be built. Right. Some things won't. And um, it's, there's a tendency to think that we're way further ahead with this technology than we are. It's still very early days. I think that's what a lot of people that are trying to learn about blockchain, that are trying to learn about uh, cryptocurrency in this whole world, are they're looking for that kind of real tangible thing that they see and touch and use every day. And a lot of what we're talking about here, what, what's been presented here is what could it be used for? Yes. Um, foundationally, the technology is there, but you know, uh, can it be used for, you know, can government entities use this? Can this be used in healthcare? Um, you know, can it be used in legal? Uh, I guess, what are, are there any examples that have come up over the last couple of days that have kind of struck you as, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about that uh, or something that, that just stands out to you? So the, the idea of putting together AI and ledgers uh, or blockchain is really novel to me. Um, something I hadn't thought about. It seems like people are really in love with, um, with some of the AI stuff, which is great, very interesting. Um, and also in love with blockchain and it's kind of like chocolate and peanut butter. We want to find interesting ways to put them together. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that can be a very valuable pursuit. You can discover things, you can find um, uh, fantastic new useful tools and ideas that, uh, that come from experimentation. But it's really important that we think carefully before we overcommit to these things. Right. In your presentation, and you and I had discussed this, I think one of the biggest points that you wanted to drive home was blockchain doesn't keep things private. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's a, a focus on pseudonymity and anonymity, especially in the Bitcoin world where people are using it for nefarious purposes um, uh, of, of all kinds. And that's, it's, it's valid to criticize that, but you also have to understand that ledgers aren't designed to keep information private or secret, and they're not designed for privacy or anonymity. They're, they're designed to be tamper-proof. And, and in order to do that, they're transparent. They're supposed to be public. Mm-hmm. So they're not for keeping secrets. And if, if you want to protect your privacy, you have to take great precautions. You have to be very careful about what kind of information you record and how you use, um, how you use public key material so that, so that you don't create opportunities to correlate other information with your identity and, and sort of reverse that pseudonymity. Right. Uh, I mean, we're we're kind of coming to the end of the the two day event. It's been it's been a, a great event. Uh, I think we've all learned a lot here. Um, the lawyers that couldn't be here, what do you think the biggest takeaways from this event have been? Um, why do you think lawyers should care about blockchain in general as they think forward? Well, I think these are incredibly valuable tools to reshape our world. One of the biggest takeaways from Bitcoin in general um, is it showed that, when you think about law, 
um, mostly were designing disincentives, disincentives for bad behavior. With Bitcoin, Bitcoin showed that you could design a protocol that would reward people for good behavior and prevent them from engaging in bad behavior. It would mitigate the effects of bad behavior before they have any impact. And that's kind of a new way to think about the universe. Um, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic tool that has a great deal of potential. And I think it, it has uh, potential in, in law and in social sciences and all kinds of things that we haven't even discovered yet. Mm -hmm. So the biggest takeaway is, uh, I would say, two things. One is that, um, is that there's all this potential and it's fantastic, but don't get too far ahead of yourself. And second is that lawyers especially have uh, well-developed powers of reason and critical thought, and it's essential that they apply that. It, we, we need that. We need critical thought about how these technologies are used and what the impact of them is, and we need that before we experience unintended consequences. We need to think a few steps ahead. Great. Uh, Christian, one last question for you before we close it out today. Uh, if our listeners would like to follow up with you, how can they reach you? Um, two email addresses, um, csmth at mit.edu or smith at anvil.io. Um, and uh, on Twitter, I am Anvil Hacks. Great. Thank you again for joining us. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Uh.